Today's text is so perfect in the flow. And it's been said before that where you're at in the word, which is where we're at, is where you're at in your life. So here we are in chapter four of the book of Ephesians, where Paul now takes his eyes off of God and the glory that we've been looking at for six months here. Oh, God did this. He did that. He is this. He gave that. He wants this. He'll do that. Now you, here's your job. Here's your position as the coach, as the player, as the participant, as the manager, as the catcher, as the outfielder, as the Matthew, Mark, Luke, James, or John, as the person you are. Here's what you're to do. Most of us just want to know, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. Just make it super clear, super simple. I will show up, and I will swing for the fences. And so as we navigate now into chapter 4, I'm going to read, and I just pray that it becomes, I have a lot to say today. And I'm going to say it as fast as I can. You guys got to listen as fast as I talk. Okay, it's on you. If you miss it, you can come back to the next, in the next service and try and get all of it. But it's really simple. God made you on purpose for such a time as this to just be you simply, supernaturally. Just, man, it's just so fun. I don't care how you feel or even how it looks. That's not your problem. He said to you and to me, just abide. Just kick it with Christ. Just hang with me, and you will inevitably produce fruit. There will inevitably be transformation from within, seen without. It's just promised. And we get so stressed out, so much pressure. I got to make the right decisions, and I got to marry the right person, and I got to go to the right college, and I got to have the right career. And I get it. A lot of that's cultural, though. Christ just says, hey, just chill with me. I will, I will guarantee. If you haven't read the book of Acts yet, please do so this summer. Read the book of Acts, where the church began, where Jesus, in the midst of culture gone crazy, Jesus said, I'm not going to fix culture. Sorry, not doing it. But instead, I'm going to plant the church. That's my answer. You got problems in Rome, problems in Jerusalem, problems in Washington, problems in Dallas, problems in Chicago, problems in Florida. Mm -hmm, I understand. I'm going to give you the church. That's my answer. And we say, well, Lord, change this. <laughs> Lord, let the election never happen. <laughs> it, shouldn't be that, it shouldn't be that funny. <laughs> oh, but that's not the answer. Good, good presidential candidates or not good, that's not the answer. I'm going to say it again, that's not the answer. It's not the answer. You better vote, okay? We, we better pray. That's not the answer. I'm getting ahead of myself. Got a lot to say today. Oh, look at verse one. Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of Christ, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness, this is how it looks, and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. That's how it's supposed to feel in the flavor of your life on the daily. Verse 3 gives us more color to the picture. Endeavoring, that means working, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Did you know, just coincidentally, that the Spirit of God is at peace? Look, look at what it says in verse 4. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. It doesn't say make unity or create unity. It says to keep it. Did you know that where the Spirit is, there's already peace? In every denomination, in every family, in every Christ-centered camp, in every parachurch ministry, if the Spirit's there, he is chilling sweet. 
It's you and I that have the problem. We don't need to create peace. We don't need to cause peace. We need need to keep the peace that already is. Very simple. Anyways, verse 4. There's one body. Oh, this is to our advantage that we be at peace. Because there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Paul gives us very many reasons to work for this peace, to keep it, because we're the same. If I'm mad at you, I'm technically afflicting my own body. If I think they're less, I actually am thinking I'm less. If I think I'm more, I'm actually dividing from others who are actually one with me. But if I endeavor to keep the unity with long-suffering and humility and patience and forbearance, knowing that there's one body, one spirit, one call, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father overall, it's fun. I got three kids, and I'm constantly teaching them not to kill each other. You know what I'm saying? Constantly. Like, dude, you guys, you got built-in buddies here, built-in friendship. Brothers, Noah and Nemo, built-in catch buddies. Man, let's play catch all day long. And instead, they're throwing the ball at the back of each other's head. It's going to hurt everybody. The kid's going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. You know? Anyways. This is all spiritual. What's the answer? How's this going to make sense? What does God want for you? What does God have for this culture, for the community around us? Is he going to change it? No. He's not. Okay? He's going to allow you to be in it. That's his whole plan, his whole purpose. You're, you're the answer. I'm just I'm letting you know ahead of time before I even get there so you don't miss it. I therefore now beseech you to walk worthy of the call. And he gives us descriptions how that looks. Now that Christ has done everything, do this. Let's keep reading. New territory. But to each one of us, say, that's me. That's me. You got a part in the Bible. It's right there. Whoa. That's cool. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. It's easy for me to arbitrarily, generically say you're part of the body of Christ, you're part of the church, and we all sit here and agree and say, yeah, that's cool. Don't bother me. That's cool. Don't expect anything from me. That's cool. Please do all the work for me. That's our natural reaction. He says, oh, not only do I want you to get along and love one another, but I want you to look within and see who has God made you to be. Each one of you has received a measure of grace. Each one of you has received special gifts. We're talking about spiritual gifts today, natural gifts, spiritual gifts, who you are today. He goes on to say, here's how it happened. Verse eight, therefore, he says, quoting from the Psalms, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. This is a picture of Christ redeeming the world. When Jesus died on the cross, he was buried. As a matter of fact, it says it right here. Verse nine, now this he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? And he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fulfill all things. He's reiterating the fact that Jesus died on the cross, descended into the earth, into the belly of the whale for three days and three nights to have the picture of Jonah, the tomb, to go to minister to the captives and to set them free. And then he ascended. And when he did this, he gave gifts. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Can you imagine that? Jesus Christ, what's he doing? Dying on the cross. That sounds poetic. No, no, we murdered him. Okay. Buried for three days doing work on your behalf. Afterwards, what's the first thing he starts doing? I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you a gift. Hey, you murdered me real good. Here's a gift for you. I'm not messing. I mean, he's crazy. 
so magnanimous, so rich in mercy, so not like you. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> it's true, though. You murder me, I'm not going to give you gifts, okay? It's going to go on your record. It's not. Christ was murdered by you to erase your record. This is insanity. And Paul's looking at everyone now saying, oh, this is crazy. We get a chance to live. And not just live by our own merit, our own earnings, but a gift was given to us. It's grace, not of works. And it's on God's invested in you, and you are you. You've got a different retina pattern than anybody in the whole entire universe ever. Your tongue has a pattern, too. It's gross, I know. It's different than anybody in the whole world ever. Your thumbprints, we all know that they're different than everyone in the whole entire world ever. How did evolution do that? It didn't. God did it. God created you. You're the apple of his eye. Wow. So unique. So diverse. So unified. Insanity. And Paul is tripping still in his cell in Rome. Now he's getting to the good stuff. Oh, and here's our part. We've focused on what his part is. He's given to us these gifts. Verse 11, here's the government of the church. And he himself, that's Christ, he set this thing up. If you're mad at the church, get mad at him and then repent. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? So they could have offices at the church? No, no. So that their offices could serve the church. Look at the next verse. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, this fivefold ministry that governs every church everywhere, in order that the body, that's the, the multitudes, would be equipped, built up, ready to serve. Verse 13, here's the goal. This is so fun. I don't think it could get more fun than this. Till, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Do you know what it said right there? That the church was gifted and redeemed, given gifts and graces, that the offices of government have been established and ordained, that the equipping of the body is being undertook and right now and happening as we speak for one purpose alone, that the church might grow up to be like Jesus. Did you read that? that we, how many of you said just be like Jesus? Just try and be like Jesus. Just, that's our goal. That's our, if you have any other goal in your life right now, you're off target. Your goal should be to just grow and to be like Jesus. You're, you're part of his body, and that's the whole purpose of it. Everything else is less. Everything else is not as important. Well, he says here, verse 14, that we should, when you're like Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. It's pretty poetic language he's using there describing the times we live in. You realize that there's a lot of false doctrines out there, right? A lot of false belief systems. People believe the craziest things. Crazy. And he says, you know what? When you stick close to Jesus, when he's your goal, you won't be tossed to and fro by cunningness and craftiness and lies and all the rest. You'll know the way, the truth, and the life. You'll know the straight and the narrow road. You'll know where heaven is and that hell exists too. You'll get it. But if Jesus isn't your goal, if he isn't your el numero uno, if he isn't what you're striving after, what you're, if it's anything else, well, Jesus is, among others, a great leader. Where'd you get that? What book? It wasn't this book. It wasn't this book you got that from. Maybe a college book. Let's, let's keep reading. Verse 15. But here's the goal. Speaking the truth in love, 
we may grow up in all things into him who's the head, Christ. We're going to be more like Christ, from whom the whole body, say that's us. That's us, the whole body. You guys made the book again. The whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. So perfect. As a matter of fact, just ponder this with me real quick. A lot of times we use pictures and illustrations to teach a principle, right? The principle is timeless and unchanging. It's a principle. It's truth. And we use pictures to teach it. So here he's using the body, the physical body, to teach a principle of the church, this unity and this diversity, every joint supplying these needs and sharing. Do you think in God's fathom of imagination, he designed the church in his mind first, then the body, or the body, then the church? In other words, the, the church is God's ultimate dream. And in order that you would get it, he's like, how can I make these people that aren't even yet in existence, how can I make them really understand my heart, my mind, my mission? Oh, I know. I'll create a body that is diverse and unified, the human anatomy. And I'll use it then to picture and principalize this truth of my heaven. And so your body is not second thought, it's actually first thought in order to illustrate God's heart. And that may have gone over your heads. I don't know if I said it right. <laughs> Verse 16 again. From whom the whole body, that's you, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The Bible says faith comes by hearing the word of God. Okay, Romans 10. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. I just read to you 16 verses. And I'm praying that the simplicity of the message within this text comes out to you in a rich, transforming way, an energizing way, an exciting way, that you would be fired up today. And so I'm going to pray and ask God to let the words of his word fall upon soft soil of your heart, and then we're going to cultivate it in. We're going to dig it deep and hopefully cover it up with more soil so the birds of the air and the lies doesn't come and pull that away. So when the sun comes out tomorrow, not just in reality, which it will, but when the tests of life come out and shine upon your soul, there might be protection. There might be growth. There might be life. So let's pray now. Father, in Jesus' name, we've read your word. And we are here in what I like to call real time. This counts. I love watching videos, and I love listening to past sermons, and I love studying history. In order that real time would be awesome. That's why I do it. And so here we are with real time. This is us right now, gathering. And so in Jesus' name, may there be real transformation inside out. May there be, Lord, a blessing upon your body. May the equipment, may the, the, the sore muscles even sitting here today, Lord, may they be healed. Lord, the broken bones, the ones that have found themselves, Lord, damaged by life, may their Lord be healing. The body is amazing. It heals itself. Nothing does that except your creation. So to the church, Lord, what I believe the healing agent of this land, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, for strength today, Lord, for clarity, for purpose, and for energy in a world gone mad. Lord, I pray for an anointing on everything I say that I would be in subjection to you and your glory and you would use my gifts, Lord, for your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me just start by asking a simple question you all know the answer to. How's it going in the world right now? 
It's nuts. I mean, it's straight up nuts. I don't even know how nuts it is. We only know a little bit about how nuts it is. We just see a little bit. God sees it all. And what we see is offensive and confusing and scary. All kinds of things. And people then try and fix it with one Facebook post. <laughs> you ever seen that? One Facebook post with a hashtag. You know, it's like, oh, I can fix it. You know, like, no, you can't. It's crazy. It's crazy, and there's shootings, and there's murders, and there's misunderstandings, and there's prejudices, and there's attacks. There's unnatural things, and there's natural things. There's floods, and then there's droughts at the same time. There's fires. A house burned to the ground last night in the bayfront. Maybe you guys saw it. 11 o'clock last night, three-story house, fully inflamed, half a million-dollar home, gone. Craziness. People get sick and they, they find themselves dealing with loss and unfortunate situations and divorce happens, cancer happens, moral failures happen. There's wars and rumors of wars. It's cra- I ask, how's the world doing? It's crazy. What's going to happen next? That's a good question. Because every time there's a shooting, every time there's a terrorist attack, every time there's something, maybe you're surprised. I'm not anymore. I'm just like... Why isn't there more? I'm just wondering why there isn't more yet. What's stopping craziness from happening? What's next? What's going to happen in the world? Because it's already happening around, and maybe you, in your gut reaction, like the rest of the world, want things to change, and you want legislation and a political revolution and a change in the environment around you, and you don't want global warming. You want global cooling, unless you're in Newport, then global warming's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, global warming will take 10 degrees. It's fine. Anyways, I get it though. Every generation and every culture has been looking for change in, in their time. And we look to God and we ask him for help to change things. Did you know that 2,000 years ago, the same thing was happening? Did you know 100 years ago, the same thing was happening? Did you know that 200 years ago, the same thing was happening? Even more so. I mean, we're talking wars upon wars and crazy upon crazy and terrorism upon terrorism ever did you did you know that our generation is no different than the last generations ever don't think yourself too special sometimes we think oh it's the craziest it's ever been it's the craziest it's ever been no it's read the bible read history it has been crazier there has been anyways i don't have to get all gross on you it's been crazy though and we want things to change as a matter of fact two thousand years ago the children of israel were looking at jesus just like you are today and they looked at him, and they were so stoked. They're like, all right, all right. This happened in the book of Acts chapter 1. They looked at him, and they said, man, that whole dying on the cross thing for three days and going away, that was super sketch. But you rose from the dead and pulled it off. Good job, dude. Don't, don't go away again. And they asked Jesus, Acts chapter 1, they said, what are you going to do now? What's now? Man, that was sweet what you did. Are you going to, their, their exact question was this, are you going to politically fix everything? Are you going to provide better laws, better gun control? Are you going to provide better police? Are you going to provide better training? Are you going to provide a better president? In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, that's what they asked. Are you going to fix it now? And Jesus, <laughs> I don't know if he laughed or not because it doesn't say. I think he laughed though. <laughs> what? I'm not going to fix it now. I'm not. He said no. It's not for you to know the times that the Father has put under his authority. But... You shall, and he gave them their directive right then and there. I'm not going to do what you want, but here's what I am going to do. You shall receive power, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Here's what I'm going to do. 2,000 years ago, the solution to political unrest 
economic uncertainty, droughts, wars, disease, all the craziness. He says, here's my solution then. It's the same solution now. I'm not going to change culture. I'm actually going to plant the church. You're going to be the agent of hope. You're going to be the agent of grace. You're going to be the agent of love, healing, and forgiveness in the world. The agent that keeps things, the salt and light that keeps things from destroying itself. You're, I'm going to be with you and in you and among you and upon you. I'm going to be everything you need with you in the midst of it. Did you know that the word witness in the Greek is martyo? Do you know what that word means? Martyr. I want you guys to live and die and die to self and follow me and let me change you from the inside out, not just the outside in. In your pragmatic, that means linear thinking, like super simple thoughts. Wouldn't it be awesome if everything just got better? You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just fix stuff. Can we just fix stuff? Like, burn all the guns, you know? Well, guns don't burn. <laughs> let's just fix stuff. Let's make stuff better. Did you know that that's only possibly behavior modification? Where you can only possibly actually change the outside a little bit? That's what the whole world wants today. They don't want soul transformation. They want behavior modification. They just want things to get better and not be as nasty out here. It's what the Pharisees did. It's what religious people do. It's what you're tempted to do. Just clean the outside while the inside is dying. Behavior modification, just changing what you do. Did you know that in order to just to change what you do, all you need is an internet connection and a Pinterest account? That's all you need. Go on Pinterest. Everyone on there is smarter than you. Just do what they're doing, and all of a sudden, you're a genius, you know? YouTube it. Like, you can change the outside. Read one Oprah Winfrey book, and you're fine on the outside. But the inside that Oprah cannot touch, that the Internet cannot touch, that legislation and gun laws and droughts and famines and bounties cannot touch, that is what God says. No, I, here's, what, here's my solution 2,000 years ago. You shall receive power. When I come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, my displays, my dispensaries of Christ. You shall be those who have me in you. Jesus, fix it. God, fix it. He says, well, I'm going to get in you and do it. Is that okay with you? Let's do it. I will fix it. You're right. And he jumps inside of you, and he begins to say, let's go. And you're like, no. <laughs> you know, I wanted you to go do it yourself. Go do it. Give him a Pinterest account. Show him how to log in. I said, no, I want to change you from the inside out, which is impossible. It is impossible for the world to fabricate that. And when people see your life and say, weren't you? And they look at the disciples. Weren't you, aren't you Peter? Weren't you the guy that cut Malchus's ear off about a month ago? Weren't you the guy that said you never met Jesus and you cussed and swore? He's like, yep, that was me. But now I'm born again. Now I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me. And the very first time after those events, when Peter received the Holy Spirit, the very first time he opened up his mouth and talked about Jesus and the reality of God, 3,000 people got saved. 3,000 people got saved from the inside out. And you're here today, and you might ask the same question that other people ask, where is God in all of this? And God would say, I'm right here. I am right here. And I'm already working from the inside out, not the outside in. God's not so much concerned with legislation and changing laws and voting, all that stuff on the outside. That's super easy, and it doesn't work. But when lives are changed from the inside out and you then live for Christ and his mission, everything changes. So Jesus' mission to the world, just so you know, his answer is the local church. 
He loves the church. 2,000 years ago, instead of changing culture, he planted the church. He said, I'm going to be with you. This is my, my commitment to you, and you will be witnesses, and you will live for me. And you might be here this morning saying, yeah, I love the church, and I love some famous pastors and teachers and missionaries, and Mother Teresa's awesome, and you know Billy Graham, he's just my hero. And you might be excited about the church that you know and divine, but I've already told you, you made the book. You're in it. It's us. It's the body, all the joints and sinews and synapses. How many cells are in the body? You know what I'm saying? You ever done the math on that? Like more than a thousand. It's kind of a joke. There's, there's like trillions of cells, and they're reproducing themselves. It's just like the body is insane. And God made the church and created the body to illustrate the importance that you have and that I have. And you might be sitting here today saying, "Well, okay, I just love going to church. I just love this building. I just love listening to people." spoon feed me and, and all the rest. I understand that. You might even discount yourself today and say, I'm not really that special. I don't know much. I didn't get my education. You know, whatever, whatever your case, you might say, I'm, you might actually have an education, but you're still not proud of yourself. You're not fond of who you are. You look in the mirror, you're like just a common person. You don't need to raise your hand, but how many of you feel like just a common person? I'm just a normal common did you know that abraham lincoln said god must this is his quote god must really love the common man because he made so many of them <laughs> but did you know that christ in you is what changes you you're, you're already made if and this isn't this isn't everyone because christ isn't in all of you okay you know i don't he needs to be you need to let him in today but you were made in the very image of God to be a dwelling place for him. He made you on purpose, different than trees, different than dogs, okay, different than fish. He made you different. He said, oh, I want to be inside this person, and I want to change them, and I want to make myself in them that which is unique to the rest of the world. Did you know that in Acts 4.13, just a few months after Jesus said, I'm not, I'm not going to change culture. Sorry. You're praying for this and that. I'm not doing it. But when you receive power, you will be my witnesses. That's my answer. And he said, you now have me in you go shine. In Acts 4.13, just a few months later, Peter and John got in trouble for loving Jesus. They healed somebody. Got in big trouble for it, for having faith in Christ. And they were told vehemently, do not ever preach in this name again. And in Acts 4.13, the bigwigs at the time looked at them, and they squinted their eyes staring at them. And they looked at each other, and they looked back. And they looked at each other and they said, these dudes, here's the exact phraseology, these dudes are just Galileans and they're total idiots. Read it. The Greek word is idiotos. I'm not kidding. And these learned guys are like, and here's the conclusion they came to in Acts 4.13, but they realized because of the boldness that they had, that they had been with Jesus. They were commoners. To grow up in Galilee was synonymous with growing up in Eddyville. Okay? That's what it meant. You're just, okay. That's enough. That's, you know, okay. You're, you're just a, you're a fisherman, Galilee, a, a kind of a, a hillbilly, a hill person, not from Jerusalem. You're not a learned person. They're Cal these are Galileans. What's wrong with these? They can't be telling us what to do. But man, they're bold. And there's something about him from the inside out that's freaking me out. And they realized this, Acts 4.13, and they concluded it was because of their time spent with Jesus. You're a common person, so am I. 
straight up. Okay, deal with it. But you have a supernatural God that lives inside of you and who's made you on purpose and says, can I just shine through you from time to time? Can I, can I flex my might and my muscles through you? And you might discount yourself immediately and say, I'm got your attention. You might discount yourself from time to time and say, I got nothing. I love Billy Graham, and I love Pastor Matt, and I love what's happening, but I'm just, you know, don't, don't listen to those lies. Every joint, every muscle, every fiber, every part of the body supplies the very necessary things for what God has for you and me. And he just laid it out for us in Acts 4, 1 through 16. Not Acts, Ephesians. And in Ephesians chapter 4 and chapter 5 and chapter 6, the next three chapters, it's so clear how you and me, commoners, normal peeps, I actually love it when people say, you're a pastor. <laughs> I love it. You know, just recently, I don't know why, but just recently I've had three or four or five people just ask me, where'd you get your schooling at? <laughs> Did you go to school? And they're, they're not impressed with the answer I give them. They're like, oh, okay. You know, it's like, just a normal person. Just be you. And let Jesus be what makes you unique. Be, be what defines you, the flavor. 2 Corinthians 2, 2.14 Corinthians 2, says that we who have Christ in us are led in victory everywhere we go, and through us he diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. You smell like Jesus wherever you go. Just you. Something different about you. In all of your brokenness, in all of your mistakes, think about the body. Don't think too hard, but think about it. There's a lot of different things going on in the body, right? I mean, you all have parts inside of you you don't even know are there. There's parts inside of you like, what? That's there? Is it supposed to be there? The doctor's like, yeah, you need that part. Okay, well, don't touch it then, you know? <laughs> Leave it alone. God uses that to illustrate uses. You're, oh, you're so important. Your story, your... Who you are, your personality, oh, it's perfect. The balances, the ingredients, the mixtures, the temperatures, the balance, oh, it's so good. You just do exactly what you do. And even right now as I'm teaching, my lips do most of the work, don't they? But my whole body is involved in this process, my toes and my feet and everything and my hands and the beard is growing right now. <laughs> right now, it's getting bigger. <laughs> I try all this out on the first service. It's totally different at second service. I <laughs> don't talk like this at all. It's reverent. And... So, that being said, Paul now exhorts us to just get, get excited. This is where your life changes from the inside out. I just love the book of Acts. Please read it this summer because it's just so fresh. And when Peter challenged by what was happening around him. He didn't even want to talk. Peter wasn't, a t he didn't like it. He kept messing up. But when he finally was filled with the Holy Spirit and people started attacking him and attacking the church, he's like, hey, 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 this is that which was spoken of by Joel, the prophet in Joel chapter two, verse 28. And he didn't have a Bible. He memorized it. He began to quote it. And then the Holy Spirit dropped and people got saved. And God's gonna use you. He is using you. Oftentimes, God doesn't let you know how much he's using you because you'd become a weirdo. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you knew how powerful your story was, there's things in your life right now that you just maybe aren't even proud of, maybe you're embarrassed about, maybe you wish with all your might it would change. 
I just wish I wasn't born this way. I wish that wouldn't have happened to me. I wish I wouldn't have lost that. I wish I wouldn't have lost that person. I wish I wouldn't have lost that job. I just, there's so much I would change. And God says, oh, I understand. Because you want me to fix culture here. But instead, I'm going to dwell in you. I'm going to be a witness through you. And I'm going to let your life unravel at times. In order that when your life comes apart, I would come out. Okay? You're the change. You're the hope of the world. The local church. The body of Christ. People want everything to change on the outside. That won't do it. But God says, hey, would you, would you be a martyr for me? Would you suffer at times? And let me shine through you. There's certain flowers that have a fragrance that is only emitted when crushed. They don't smell at all until they're wiped out. And when they're wiped out, their fragrance comes out. And so too your life. I, I don't want my life to get hard. Can I get an Amen. Duh. It's going to be hard, though. It's straight up going to be hard. I'm going to make it harder because I'm an idiot. You guys are going to make it harder because you love me. Life's going to be hard. And God says, hey, 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 let me use you. That's going to be sweet. That's going to be a good illustration of who I am. But he beseeches us. Let's read now. Verse 1. I'm going to try and jam through this, okay? Put your seatbelts on. This might hurt. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling. I love Paul's exhortation. Guys, gals, get in here. I've often wondered how coaches do it, how they yell at you right at the right time. And, man, they're so – I started coaching a couple years ago wrestling. And actually, it was hard because I still wanted to compete. And I actually had to go through the whole season of changing my focus of competition into wanting my athletes to succeed rather than to be the successor. That was just, it was interesting. And once I figured that out, oh, my whole goal is that they would succeed, that they would do better. And all of a sudden, it became personal and it became awesome. So too, Paul said, I just want you guys to do good. Did you notice that when a coach ever pulls his athlete to the corner, he never tells them anything new. He tells them to do the old stuff that they're not doing well, the stuff they know to do. That's very simple. And so too at church, you come, you show up, you get in the book. As you walk with the Lord longer than a year or two, you probably will never learn anything new again. But what you'll hear, what you'll find in the word, what you'll receive is exactly what you needed to hear for that particular inning, for that particular play, for that particular day. And God gives you and he'll exhort you. And I would just say, you need to be encouraged and people need to be encouraged by you. Well, keep reading with me. He says, I want you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. He gives four different descriptions of the characteristics of those who've been changed by Christ. Let me ask you a question. If you were to use four adjectives to describe who you were last week, would any of these four make your list? Humility, would that make the list? Like as an asterisk, you know, maybe? You know, long-suffering, were you just uber, super patient with people? What else does he say here? Bearing with one another in love. Well, I'll bear with you. You know what I'm saying? I don't know about love. I'm trying. Uh, gentle, long-suffering, lowliness, this humility. Did you know that these four adjectives he uses are natural byproducts from an inside transformation when you know chapters 1, 2, and 3 well? It's actually fun. I want you guys to grow with me in this as Christians in, in Lincoln County. When you really understand what Christ has done, chapters 1 through 3, and then you see what he's asking you to do now, this agent of grace and change and hope in the world, to be you on display as a martyr, when you know that, so easy, so easy to shut up, 
to repent, to say sorry, to confess sin, to bear with one another. It's actually really easy when you look at him. When you don't look at him and just look at others or look at yourself, whoa, watch out. Culture gone crazy. Next verse, verse 3. He says, also, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We studied this weeks ago. Romans 12, 18 says, as much as it is possible for you, be at peace with others. This will set you free all week long. There are cantankerous weirdos out to get you this week, right? Maybe that's just me. Anyways. True story. Anyways, Romans 12, 18 says, hey, that's their problem, not yours. Don't make their problem yours. Your problem, be at peace. You be a peacemaker, okay? And don't let their inability to accept your peace or to reciprocate your peace, destroy your peace, endeavor, work it, keep it. How? Keep looking at chapters one through three. Keep looking back. Keep looking back. Keep going with me. He says, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all, through all and in you all, again, we are so united, we cannot afford to be divided. When we are divided, we hurt. <laughs> you got, the body's so fun to look at the lens of Scripture through your body. When I wake up in the morning, I'm 38 years old. When I wake up in the morning, I walk down the hall, and I've got stairs that go down and around. When I go down the stairs, I turn sideways, and I go down one at a time. Okay, because I'm getting warmed up. That's just how, how, how my, my body's all jacked up, you know, so I, I get down, I get down the stairs, and if there's kids awake, I just, like, I look at the kids, no, 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 you know, I turn the water on, make some coffee, and eventually, though, the body starts to work, it starts to click, but there are those times in our lives where the body's just not working right, do you understand? It is still unified, though, and in its unity, I suffer all pains and spasms and isms and schisms, so too you do, and so to be divided is not to our interest, it is to our disservice. To be united, though, with everything flowing, everything feeling good and warmed up and highly caffeinated, and man, is this fun <laughs> being together. We just we can't afford to be divided. And I don't care what the other churches, not in our town, because the other churches in our town, they're playing nice with each other. It's awesome. But I don't care what you think about them or what they, th let me say it this way. I don't care what other people that hate you think about you. That's not your problem. It's what you think about and how you navigate towards the the people that throw mud and think differently. Okay, that's your problem. You and you just, man, you you put some some grace on those joints. Okay, you put some caffeine there, get things warmed up, you know, and just kind of get warmed up and limber. And you be. I remember one time I'll tell a quick story. I don't have time for stories, but I'm gonna tell it anyways. I was at Southern Oregon University, and it was a presidential campaign was happening. And one of the particular guys that was running for some sort of state office was coming to the college. And there were people at the college, a very liberal school in Ashland, and they were protesting signs, boo, go away, we hate you, all this stuff. I'd never seen anything like this before. And this guy was coming down with his entourage of people, and they had these, they were chanting. There was no supporters, literally, for this guy. He's a, a conservative gentleman. And he came up, and he walked right up to this group of protesters, walked right up to him, put his hand out, said, hey, thanks for being here. 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 And he walked in, and they were like, what? It was so rad how he just diffused everything, and they began to throw their signs away, you know. Not really. They were venomous. But he just diffused it. I want to be like that. I don't want people's anger and hostility or even misunderstanding of me cause me to then get back. Did you know that when my body doesn't understand itself and attacks itself, it goes really weird? As a matter of fact, the very 
simplest definition of cancer in the body is when the body begins to attack itself. Isn't that crazy that cancer is so prevalent in our culture right now? And all of these things in the physical are meant to illustrate the spiritual. And when, things, when the body attacks itself and doesn't recognize itself, and, ooh, this is a bad cell, and there's all this chaos inside, and I wonder how the church is navigating these waters when we are one body, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, one God and Father overall. Oh, man, we should probably just love each other. Here's the cool part. While there is great unity, there's also, listen, please, great diversity. This is where the train goes off the track for most people. Please listen. I'm going to say this fast. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll make this a two-week um, teaching or three. <laughs> we are unified, but we are very different on purpose. The problem is, is that when there's another church across town or another believer in your circle that does things any differently than you do at all, <gasps> we take it as direct attack. We take it as a competition. We take it as some sort of difference when in actuality, that's absolutely necessary. The different giftings and the different callings to edify the body, all the joints. God's made us so different and diverse and unified at the same time. And when you as a Christian can back off your high horse and say, man, I love my church. And I love that your church exists too. And I love you. And I, I just love that you love that kind of worship or that kind of teaching or that kind of prayer life or that kind of prophetic moving or that kind of healing ministry. And sometimes we get so divided and say, you guys are and they are. We could easily here at this church be criticized for a lot of things. Well, you guys don't pray enough at your church. You don't pray enough at your church. You talk too much. Talk, 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 talk. You know, you, know. you guys don't sing enough. You sing a little bit, but you don't sing enough. You don't have enough freedom. There's no flags. Where's your flags at? Flag, flagless church, you know? We could get criticized. Or we could say, yeah, we... Okay, we appreciate that, and there is a church that is actually designed for you to flow and to glorify and to witness and to be a martyr for Jesus in that exact same way. If Jesus is the head and you're part of the body, man, it's fun. You be you. You be a foot or a knee or an elbow or a fingernail or a hair molecule or a beard molecule. You know, you be you be some you be you and ah, the division not necessary. Not necessary. We endeavor to keep, keep that peace. And he goes on now to list these spiritual gifts. And, and this may, again, this is actually going to be a two-part message. Who am, I, who am I kidding? Let's just keep studying, though, until we run out of time. He says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this he ascended, what does it mean? But first, that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. Paul, again, putting our focus on Christ during this teaching of the church, that we would understand that Christ is the head and he's done it all. He who ascended and gave gifts. Don't forget he first descended. He went into the depths. He was buried for you. He took your sin, your shame, your condemnation to hell and left it there. You realize that, don't you? The wages of sin is death. Christ never sinned, yet still died for you and for me. And when he died, he took your sin to hell with himself, paying for it. And because he was innocent, they couldn't keep him there. And he came up out of hell, leading captives 
free, and then he began to give gifts. He's like, let's just take this thing to the next level. You who have faith in me, who have trusted in my blood, your forgiveness, now don't just sit there forgiven, okay? Walk transformed from the inside out. Dwell richly. Sit. Let the fruit of God be born in you and through you. Look at verse 7 again. It says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of, the, of Christ's gift. We're going to talk for the next two weeks about spiritual gifts. And I would just say it this way. Each and every one of you are gifted. Okay? You're both gifted naturally and supernaturally. Did you know that each and every one of you, when you were born, were given God-given talents, God-given abilities, God-given dispositions for a reason to display his goodness? And then when you were rebirthed, not just at birth, but rebirthed, God gave you supernatural gifts. And he's called some to be teachers and apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors for the equipping of the body that we might do the work of the church. And no, here's the deal. I don't care if you have natural gifts or supernatural gifts. You just got to use your gifts and use them for God's glory. And when you understand that God made you just who you are, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. Maybe you're single. Maybe you're married. Maybe you have the gift of leadership. Maybe you have the gift of administration. Maybe you have the gift of mercy. I remember one time, Pastor Jeremy Haskell, he's a pastor in Medford, we were talking about spiritual gifts, and he said that he had the gift of exhortation. At the time in my life, I thought, that's a dumb gift. Now, I didn't say it, I just thought it, okay? Nicer than that. But I was like, that's stupid. It's a dumb gift until I needed the gift of exhortation, until I needed to be picked up, until I found myself face down in my own stuff, and he was right there exhorting me. I'll tell you what, God's given to you natural gifts and supernatural gifts. And when you take who you are and say, I'm going to do it for the glory of God, it changes everything about your purpose in your life. I want the world to change too. I'm right there with you. I want that quick, fast change though. You know what I'm saying? 30 days, whatever, take a pill, you know, 21 days or you count down until Obama's gone. Maybe that's going to change. No, it's not going to do it. It's not going to do it. Instead, just like your body changes naturally, inevitably, Depending on what you expose it to, if you expose it to good eating and some physical exercise, your body's going to change. So to the world around us, when you and I just say, yeah, I'm me, I'm unique, I'm diverse, I'm unified, I'm my own, I'm not alone, this is so crazy, this is so exciting, I'm going to do what I do. One of my favorite athletes to watch perform is Rich Froning. He's a CrossFit guy. And in 2012, he found himself failing at CrossFit. He, he didn't compete in the way he wanted to. And in his own testimony, he had to come back to Jesus. And when he comes back to Jesus, he realizes that God had given a gift to him. He's actually a physical beast. He can perform better than most people, and he works harder than all people. But he realized that who God made him wasn't for his own glory, but for God's glory. And he repented in 2012. He said, I'm going to keep being me, but not for my glory. He realized he wanted the accolades and he wanted the applause. And in 2012, he repented, got rebaptized. And in 2013, 14, and 15, he went on to then win the world championships for God's glory. On his side right here, he has tattooed Galatians 6.14. Galatians 6.14 says, God forbid that I boast in anything except the cross of Christ. That's my claim. That's why I'm you. That's why you're me. That's why we're us. That's why we live and dwell. It's not for our glory, but it is for God's glory. It makes life fun. My body works together as a team to produce a product, which is the mission of Jesus. 
And as we, as the church here in Newport, just be you. I'm so excited to be about South Beach Church, but I'm so excited about the Nazarene Church. They're growing. I'm so excited that Andy Albright is here preaching and teaching and sharing and leading people, pastors and teachers and evangelists. Jason Santoni from Encounter Community Church on Highway 20, praying his building expands and grows. He attends the evening service here. Praying for Hope in the Park this week as we invite other churches and other pastors and ministries to join us in sharing. It's not us against them. It's us in the church for the world. Read the, read the book of Acts. It's exciting. It's the same now as it was then. And you'll learn a lot. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Don't miss next week. I'll be here. Promise. It's going to change everything for you. If you understand the book of Ephesians, it'll change everything for you. It'll change everything for you. It'll change the way you do well. Listen, please. It'll also change the way you fail. It'll change the way you navigate through life. When you realize that God says, we just live on purpose, my purpose. I'm not perfect, Lord. I'm, I'm a JV competitor. I'm not an apostle. I'm a B-postle. <clears throat> Lord says, don't discount yourself. Don't discount yourself. I'm going to be in you. And I choose to, instead of change culture, I'm going to plant the church. And it's going to be a bunch of ragtag misfits. A bunch of has-beens. I just love that Jesus, the night before he died, allowed the entire first church to fall in the mud. Right after he washed their feet. When I'm walking clean, walking good, I don't like to get dirty. I don't like to make a mistake and blow it. God says, well, you're gonna, so I'm gonna let you, and I'm gonna clean you, and I'm gonna, sh I'm gonna show off through you. It's not about you, it's about me. And as the communion elements are brought out, we do so examining ourselves. When you examine yourself, you're like, oh man, Ugh, I'm dirty, but it's not about me. It's about he who lives in me. It's about Jesus Christ crucified for my sins and for the world's hope. Risen from the dead and now I can just live my life in Lincoln County or whatever county you're from. And I don't have to sweat the small stuff and I don't have to worry about the big stuff. I just get to dwell next to him. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, in Jesus' name now. Real time. We're really messed up. We are messed up, Lord. This culture is crazy. It is nuts. There's some pain, real pain, not just in the culture, but locally, even in this room. Just loss and carnage, difficulties and challenges. Just guys and gals here struggling with uh, stuff. Jesus, we look to you. The one who gave his blood and used his blood to forgive us of all of our sins. And now supplies for us that perfect blood flowing through our veins. Spiritually, the body of Christ that is at peace because of Christ. The blood, the blood, the blood forgives us, cleanses us, it renews us. It guarantees us life. The world needs your blood. 
world needs a blood transfusion. The world needs a savior. It doesn't need a senator. It needs a savior. But we have him. Jesus, I pray you would anoint us richly. That in our places of work, we would just smell like Christ. That the work of the ministry of the church wouldn't be in churches, buildings, but it would be in buildings and families and teams and gyms and relationships and libraries and gas stations and grocery stores. And I pray, Lord, that every man and every woman here who has looked to you as their Savior would be the change in the world. God, anoint us with the fragrance of Christ, with all lowliness and meekness and humility and long-suffering, enduring with one another, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit of peace, Lord. May we now receive it afresh. May we get that blood transfusion for ourselves, feeling great this morning as we come to the table and celebrate who you are, what you've done. We proclaim your death, looking forward to your return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you all stand with me? When you're ready to take communion, come down the center aisles and take your communion out the side aisles to your chairs. There's people on the right and left to pray for you during this time as well. The tables are open.
the fruit, but we can dwell and abide in you. Help us to walk worthy of the call with which we were called. Anoint us now, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 